Well, church, you ready for the word today? Let's do this. Acts 2, beginning with verse 22. May the Lord write these words upon our hearts. This is the voice of God. This is God speaking. He is the author of this book, and this is his truth. Peter is preaching at Pentecost. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man tested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, He, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. David did not ascend it in the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Well, this is Peter giving explanation of what was happening at Pentecost. And uh, I've got to think that the disciples who were there that day and all were seeing the events that unfolded in Acts 1 and Acts 2 and hearing Peter's sermon were just having one mind-blowing experience after another. Nobody had ever heard or seen what was going on. You remember what happened. The Holy Spirit had been promised that if Jesus was glorified, the Spirit would come, and the Spirit indeed came. He came with a mighty rushing wind, and tongues of fire were distributed upon those who were there, and they were proclaiming the mighty works of God in every tongue that was there. They were explaining what God was doing. They had seen Jesus actually ascend. Can you imagine that picture? He is standing here with you one moment, and now you see him go. And you see two angels who come and say, listen, this Jesus who was, was taken up 
in this manner is going to come in just the same way. He is going to come back, and you'll see him come the same way. Mind-boggling. The Spirit comes in dramatic fashion, and all these things are going on, and Peter is preaching this sermon. And what he says in part two of this sermon that I just read for you right now is the most mind-blowing experience for them of all. And it's the reason because Israel's Messiah had come. God had come in human flesh. Israel's Messiah had come in the person, the world's Savior had come in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you why that's mind-blowing. Because this group would not have believed that. Not on the outset, not at the beginning. Think of this. Two months earlier, the Jews had executed Jesus for making that claim. They killed him. And uh, it was Peter who was, you know, not exactly the bravest, most courageous guy in the pack during those days when Jesus was, ra- was going to the cross and going to be raised from the dead. He encountered a little servant girl who scared him to death. She said, you're, hey, I recognize you. You're one of those disciples. I don't even know him, he said. Boy, is he brave now. And he's standing before the Jewish people. And he is making the same claim, and to them it would have, been, would have been considered utter blasphemy. But he was going to preach the true message of the gospel. Now, last week I said a few things in, in beginning and will again today about the characteristics of Christian preaching. What makes it different? And just say that just so that we can kind of wrap our minds around what Peter's doing here. And the first one I want to suggest is this, and this is important to this congregation because all through your literature and your statement of faith and so on, you make this claim about yourself and about the preaching that should happen from this pulpit. It is biblical exposition. And that's what Peter was doing. And what is meant by that? Don't, don't, be, uh, don't shy away from some of those big words that theologians like to develop over time. It simply means this, that the Bible is clearly explained. It is explicated. It is laid out. But what God wants us to realize in that is, this is not a matter, this preaching thing of getting before the congregation, giving personal views on issues of public human interest. And that's not what's at stake here. The congregation, the church called Pathway today, needs to hear the Word of God and the Word of God alone. My ideas don't matter. My opinions about politics or whatever's going on in the culture and the world only matter to the extent they are consistent with what the Scripture teaches. There's no pop psychology to be going on here. There's no positive thinking message that's going on in this. It's, it's not a matter of self-esteem building or personal reflection or, your, or, or whatever is being done in so many pulpits today. God's Word and God's Word alone, that's what was happening here. And when that was happening, it always centered upon Christ. And that's what Peter's doing here. Let me see Jesus only, huh? I think that's what you come to worship here. And if it didn't 
If that didn't happen here, I don't think you'd be here. It was biblical exposition. It was pointed straight to Christ. It was fearless. See the fearlessness in this? Standing up before those who had actually put Jesus to death to courageously proclaim the truth of the gospel. Now I want to tell you, it's, it's easy to be bold sometimes. <laughs> it's easy to be bold in a place like this. I realize I'm preaching to the choir here. This is the church. There's not many people here who are going to try to take me out after I get done because I preach the name of Jesus. But I want to tell you, you go some places in this world and they will take you out in a heartbeat. I was reading just before I came <clears throat> into the service this morning. Um, you hear what's going on in China these days? I mean, it's just amazing. Go look at the, the, the martyr pictures and the persecution.org and so on, and you'll see what has happened. Do you know there's 67 million Christians in uh, China today, they think? What's interesting about that, that's more than the Communist Party, which is why they're persecuting the church. They recently went to all the Christian churches and told them they had to put signs up where they were supposed to be meetings, and they were not to be preaching the name of Jesus. And there's been a group of 250 pastors who've written a document that have said, uh, we won't comply. We understand what you're trying to do. We know where you're coming from on this. We, we will not obey. We will obey God rather than man. And no matter what happens to us, this is what you will hear from us. Come what may, what you ever do to us, know this for sure, Jesus is Lord. And that's the stance they've taken. That's what preaching is in the New Testament, and that's what Peter was doing here. So let me just walk you through the scripture in expositional fashion and just explain. What did Peter preach? This was a part of his message. Began last time I was in the pulpit. It won't end until next week. But we see here what Peter was preaching. And the focus was obviously upon Christ, right? And in simple format, he talked about his life, his death, his resurrection, and his exaltation. And this is how the church is built. And this is why we are here and why we celebrate who he is. Let's talk first about the preaching of his life. This is in verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. They couldn't miss it. Nobody can miss it. God makes it available to every human heart. I believe that is his will and way. And everyone in those days knew what was happening. And we have the opportunity to be part of his great plan of bringing the gospel through the ages to the people of this world. And what we do is we share about Jesus' life. Let's tell them about Jesus in this world that he was actually the Son of God, 
that he was God incarnate, God in human flesh, fully God and fully man. No one ever like him. Now they referred to him as Jesus of Nazareth. That is what the people of the day would have called him, and that's why Peter called him that. Peter knew how to connect with this audience. He was attested by God, which means he was proved by God to be who he claimed to be. Remember when uh, Jesus rose from the dead, showed himself to uh, many people in Acts 1-3, to those who were around, it, it said he proved himself by many convincing proofs. And this is what God has done in the life of Christ today. He's provided signs and wonders. Jesus is a miracle worker. Jesus produced those signs and wonders so that the message he brought to us would be authenticated and believed to be so as coming from God. Nicodemus put it this way in John 3, 2. Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. That was true. He was doing signs and wonders. He was healing their sick. He was even raising the dead. Lazarus, come forth. He who was bound hand and foot came forth from the grave. And I love the one, well, how about the one where the disciples are with him in the boat and the tempest starts to rage. These old boys are scared again, real scared. Jesus, don't you care that we perish? And uh, Jesus comes to the bow of the boat. He probably looks over that storm thinking, you know, I created that. I created that wind. And I created those waves. And he says, so that his friends won't be scared anymore. Peace, be still. And this amazing calm came over the, the body of water. And what was the response of those who watched? What manner of man is this? That even the winds and the waves obey his voice. This is God incarnate. Jesus, the Messiah, the man attested by God proven to be who he said he was, none higher than Jesus, this miracle-working God in human flesh, always pointing these miracles, though, to the spiritual truth people needed for heart change. I mean, that is what was happening in John 6 when Jesus fed the multitude. And... uh, Little boy there that day, remember that? A few fish, a couple loaves. Have the people sit down. Have the people sit down? What is this for so many people? What are we going to do? Just do what I tell you to do. Five barley loaves and two fish. And Jesus said after the miracle, after they had gathered the fragments up that were left, 12 basketfuls of overload. Truly, truly, I say to you, you who are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, 
which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. He was pronouncing the message of life through his life and what he did. This was what the first preaching was all about, the life of Jesus in this world. Peter preached Christ. The next point in verse 23, he preached the death of Christ. Listen to what he says. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Talk about being brave. Peter's saying to those who are listening, you are the ones who put him to the cross. Now, we need to know there's something happened here that's really important. You've never seen the... Sovereignty of God on the one hand revealed, and the responsibility of man on the other hand revealed, and in this setting of the death of Christ. Listen, Jesus was not a victim, he was not under somebody else's control. It was the result of the overall plan of God. This is why it says he was delivered up, he was given. Over. And this was the sovereign plan of God. Yes, lawless man will have to take responsibility for putting him to death. He went to die because of all of us, not just them. He had to die to take away the sin of the world, but he was delivered up by the Father. The foreknown plan of God. It was part of God's eternal plan for him to die upon that cross. God used what mankind had done. You know, God can always take the wrong things of your life to make them right. He has a way of changing everything. I mean, when he can change death and make it life, this is a remarkable God. And so that's what he also preached, the resurrection of Christ. And you see that in verses 24 through 32. I won't read that all again, but what it was talking about was from Psalm 16, Peter telling about David. And that David was not the Christ. David was a prophet who foresaw Christ would come. And is the one who said, I know you will not let your Holy One, speaking of Jesus, will see any corruption. That is, he will, he will not be dead. For long. Brothers, I say to you with all confidence in 29 that the patriarch David, he both died and was buried. His tomb is with us. I can show you where it is, in other words. Therefore, a, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, he would set one of his descendants on the throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ. You're going to preach Jesus. You've got to preach his life. You got to preach his death and you got to preach his resurrection. There's a lot of people preaching today who have this whole thing mixed up and wrong because they are all together happy with preaching Jesus as a good teacher, as a fine example, as a wonderful model of humanity. That is not the point of the gospel. The point of the gospel is he lived in this world 
as a miracle worker, the God-man. He went to the cross. Why did he have to die? He had to die because of us, because sin has a penalty and somebody has to pay. God chose Jesus. He would pay and be the atonement for the sin of all who believe. And in this resurrection, God loosed the pains of death. Oh, anybody this year put to the grave anybody who mattered to you? There's sorrow with all of that, and we all experience it is the way of the flesh. It is appointed once to man to die, and then the judgment. Hebrews talks about the thing that mankind has feared since the beginning of human history has been death. We're afraid of death. Here in this scripture, Peter says, this Jesus loosed the pain and the agony of death, and he set us free. And because he lives, we too shall live. God guaranteed your resurrection someday if you are a believer in Christ because of what Jesus did by raising from the dead. Death couldn't hold him because of divine power. Through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, in John eleven twenty five, 25. Death couldn't hold him because of divine power. Death couldn't hold him because of divine promise. Jesus said, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. And death couldn't hold him because of divine purpose. Here in the scripture it says, God raised him up. He who believes in me, Jesus said, though he dies, yet shall he live. This Jesus, God raised up again, Peter said to which we are all witnesses. And finally, Peter preached the exaltation of Christ. Let's just read that for one moment, shall we? Beginning with verse 33. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified, he is exalted in the heavens. This Jesus we worship as the church today. And you know from the teaching of the scripture where Jesus is right now, right? He is at the right hand of God the Father. Sometimes I get this picture in my mind of, I wonder what it's like for them to sit together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And uh, I wonder if sometimes Jesus looks over at the Father as if to say, is it time yet? The Bible says Jesus doesn't even know when he will return. Only the Father. 
Jesus just awaits the verdict. He knows he's returning. He's coming for his church. And one day he'll hear the voice, God the Father looking at him and saying, Jesus, go bring the church home. Here he'll come. He is exalted. We sang that song today about the, the wonderful, beautiful name of Jesus. By the way, do you know what the name of Jesus is that is exalted? Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above all names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is the name of Jesus. And this is what Peter pronounced here. God has made him both Lord and Christ. He is the Savior of the world, the Anointed One, the Christ. And he is Lord over the universe. He is the ruler of all. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that all the pathway church Know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. And we worship him. What a Savior we serve. Amen. Have you come to place your full confidence in the Lord Jesus? Is there anybody here today who needs to understand that we all have fallen short of the glory of God? And Jesus went to that cross over 2,000 years ago and he died in the place of all who will call upon his name. He made the atonement for our sins and made it full and free acceptance with God the Father. There is nothing but nothing more glorious than the gospel and nothing but nothing more important than the church believing it and teaching it to others. Tell them about the life of Jesus. Tell them about his death, his resurrection, and his exaltation. That is God's word, God's church today. Amen? Father in heaven, Come among us now by your Holy Spirit. You are here and present. Lord Jesus, you are here in the person of the Holy Spirit. This is your time and your place. And I pray for what your Spirit might want to do in the last closing moments of this service. We certainly need to praise our risen King and our Lord, and we'll do that and we'll pray together. For any who are here today who need the Savior, Father, I pray that you'd give them the courage to open their heart's door and to say yes to the Lord who is speaking to them today. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's stand up. The Lord has spoken to you in such a way you want prayer. There's going to be prayer partners gathering over here. They're available for you. They love praying. They have the spiritual gift of prayer. So take advantage of that. If you're going to pray by yourself, come over here. You want to know what salvation's all about through Jesus Christ. You just don't know. You still don't know enough, but you feel like you want to make that decision and you need help to make that clear. Come forward, or you can do that right in your seat. You can believe upon Christ as your Lord and Savior right there in your seat. Um, but we just want you to, most importantly, is just respond how the Holy Spirit's leading you to respond in this moment, okay? Let's worship.
Let's sing that again on the altar. On the altar of for you and those in this room who don't know you uh, that want to know you maybe they just are right on the edge of saying yes to you receiving you and believing upon you oh God uh, may they find someone in this place or may they continue to come and learn and grow and profess their faith in you Lord Jesus and join the kingdom of saints who worship you we're not just in this building, Lord, but worship you in our, in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces. Uh, God, go with us, be in us, live in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you, church. Amen. <laughs>